I don't know what I'm going to say. Hey everybody, welcome to Bros, Bibles, and Beer. This is Jeff, it's episode 213, and I'm expanding at this very moment. Andy, how you doing? It's all in the hips. Zach? My hips are in the desert. And uh, coming from Rancho Mirage, it's Art Greco. Art, Uh, how you doing? I remember when I used to have hips. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Oh, that... That's (laughs) That's <laughs> fantastico. Uh, yes, we are coming from Rancho Mirage. We are uh, remote session, remote yes. podcasting episode. Yeah, and we all ate in such a way as to do away with our hips, didn't we? Oh my yeah. gosh! I I feel like Job of the Hut, but I'm only five foot eight. There's no space for <laughs> all of this food to go anywhere. It's just expanding outward. I feel like I ate Job of the Hut. <laughs> <laughs> I think I had an uh, eating contest against Jabba the Hutt. I think Art slow roasted Jabba the Hutt, and it was delicious. <laughs> oh my gosh. Mm. That was aged. I mean, because Star Wars, when, when did Star Wars take place? That was a long time One? ago. They no. brought him back. No, 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 not 71. Like, when did we get married, Greg? 77? 77. But yeah. I mean, if we were pretending we were in the Star Wars universe, Jabba the whole. Job of the Hulk. <laughs> Incredible the Hulk. the rabbit hole. Which we'll partake uh, later. The Incredible yeah. Hut. Age for a long time. Pizza the Hut. <laughs> That's right. Was that not a morbid... Morbid... <laughs> Marvel. It was Marvel. A morbid picture. I mean, that was like a repulsive evil. <laughs> Jabba? Oh, yeah. That Just was... A that, they nailed it. Deduate, Doto Jedi. <laughs> And that wasn't actually Andy. That was a clip we just played from the soundboard yeah. of Jabba the Hutt. The clip from my stomach. Just it feels a like. big ball of snot with beautiful Princess Leia on a chain. I mean. Yeah. yeah. George <laughs> Lucas knew what he was doing. Um, it's a game of contrast. I feel like uh, we should, as the caveat captain slash caveat king, I feel like maybe we uh, reveal a little bit how the sausage is made tonight. Obviously, we're in a different location, Ranch, Rancho Mirage, Mirage, Rancho as Bernard. was mentioned. And this is why I want to caveat: we've been dining, whining, and dining some more. Uh, and I think that's it's worth noting in case there's a little bit extra fumbling over looking for the correct words to say. <laughs> we're Be- so full. <laughs> we're so full. We've been sipping on. Uh, why don't you for the what are we drinking segment? Yeah. Um, most of us are done drinking <laughs> for good reason. Art Greco. Is this number four you, you're on now? Four, four timer? Five, yeah, something like that. This tequila you've, you've been giving us has a little bit of a story for you. Can you give us a little bit of that action? Yeah, I stumbled upon it in Puerto Vallarta, just kind of looking for any free tequila tasting. And I tasted this and my goodness, I want this. And bought a bunch of it and snuck it onto the cruise ship. And then we've been going back to Puerto Vallarta every time I've been running out of it because you can't, you're supposedly not be able to get it. Not, you're not supposed to be able to get it anybody anywhere else. My goodness, how many glasses of this have I had? <laughs> and I speak for a living. <laughs> not now tonight. I stumble tonight, on my words for a living. Tonight you're speaking for free. Yeah. So last time we went to Puerto Vallarta, I was out of it. Had friends start saying, "Hey, get me some of that when you go," and. Uh, Brought a bunch of it home. And last time I went, because we ran out, and they 
they quit making it because the the guy that made it died. Oh, we don't have any of that. We have two or three bottles of that left. Thanks a lot. And guy. so the price doubled, and it's really really good. And I found it in San Diego where I wasn't supposed to be able to find it, and here it is. We're now drinking the second of my only the last four bottles that exist. Wow. That's how much I love you guys, Scott. Uh, if you were here, we would be serving you as well. You would not get to have it. Oh, <clears throat> I should. And Scott, this is a bit of a couple's retreat. So if you had a couple, you You'd would have be to bring here a too. friend. But, um, but this is uh, so we miss Scott. But what's it so called? Three years aged, extra añejo tequila, El Fogonero. Fogonero, see. Si. Okay, well, I'm not. That's because not, that's it leaves, a, leaves your brain foggy. Yeah, <laughs> it is delicious. And then I'm also pouring a little dab of rabbit hole Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey, which is delicious as well. We've had rabbit hole. And then what was the other uh, bourbon that we had earlier? The stuff that you picked up? I don't know. It's over there on the counter, but nobody can uh, move to go get yeah. it. <laughs> We've consumed way too much yeah. uh, to be able to even be functional. And yeah, we had ribs, so... There, there's your disclaimers, audience. If you don't want to listen to people stumbling and fumbling and trying to work up the energy to do a podcast, you can move along. You don't have to listen. But but it's going to get good. Oh, yeah. Somebody's going to say something stupid. Because the medicine that Jeff just took is going to kick in. And when it does, you're going to get all the Jeff and nothing but the Jeff. All the Jeff. The, all the Jabba, the Hut Jeff. Jeff is sitting on a soft, comfortable couch after filling his gullet with his gut with ribs and good alcohol. And now he's trying to recover by drinking coffee. Coffee and maybe mix in some coconut water. We got some of that too. That's disgusting. Okay. No, that's, so you can stay right. with us, Jeff. So uh, then I guess we should just figure out real quickly if. Um, if it does cheapen God's forgiveness, if we don't accept it, maybe that's the thing we should just sort out real quickly. Are we uh, what, just real quickly? Okay. That sounds good. That's easy. That's I mean, it's two minute conversation. It's easy for me because I already know the answer, but am I, you guys can process it out loud if you want. <laughs> now, th is this like a, this is like an add on to last episode was it last episode or two episodes ago we talked about it It was a couple episodes ago i think that but it's it's you reprised a recurring it. theme yeah. it's popped up carrie's jumped onto that too but it was related to the idea of understanding there's a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation Ooh, actually on that note i do have feedback to read oh um that I actually haven't asked for permission to read it, but I'm pretty sure this individual would say yes, and so I will check in with him. If they left feedback... And they also posted it on the interwebs. If you yeah, left that would feedback, be better. You, this is a personal text. Oh, I think nice. It, I think it's worth oh. sharing. Um, from Peter Tubers? If it's from Peter Tubers. <laughs> Get <laughs> I out. I miss that guy. Oh, Peter. Um... Well, I guess I'll check it. This is from Colin, good friend Colin. And Brilliant uh, Colin, deep Colin. Deep. He runs deep. Yep. So deep. Uh, forgiveness as process. People are constrained by space, time, and what they currently know. People can forgive something, 
travel further down their life's road, get added wisdom perspective only to discover added nuance to a past event. It's not that they didn't forgive back then. They forgave what they knew to forgive then. With added life, they know more and may as a result have more to forgive. That That's not a deficiency. It's the result of getting more wisdom that may require further forgiveness with regard to a past event. That's how forgiveness can be seen as process in my perspective. The alternative places a burden of knowing that I don't... Uh, it's have, pronounced kofefe. <laughs> oh, knowing that I don't think finite human beings have access to. Access to what? To process. So if, you, if you're not in process, the alternative places the burden of knowing that I don't think finite beings have access to. Um... Well, forgiveness has process. Like you, for, you forgive something, and then you gain wisdom, knowledge. Maybe you learn something a little bit more, and then you realize you didn't actually forgive the whole thing, and you have to kind of go back and process it. Maybe, but that was obviously related to the forgiveness question, which is tied into grace and reconciliation in some way. But pretty deep text. I I like that line. It's not that they didn't forgive back then. They forgave what they knew how to forgive then. But maybe they'd, yeah. Is the idea that Colin is trying to share is that when when we're in the moment and we're close to the event and we try and, and we extend forgiveness, we, we have a, a view of the event with our own perception and maturity that is limited. Mm-hmm. And that over time, our the context and our perception and understanding of the event might change, and we might understand it better and more. And that there is a there are multiple levels or forgiveness. the The process of forgiveness can be extended over that time too, or you can revisit it. Yeah, I now forgive in a different way than I did before I for think the same so. event. Yeah, for the same event, maybe you. Yeah, maybe the idea of like, oh, you you forgave and so it's done. Maybe we need to have an allowance for you forgave. It's not as easy to just flip that switch where it's just like it's out of your life. Even that, though for the most part you're out of it. Well, did that text come after the episode where you guys were dealing with uh, the article on the myth, the forgiveness myth? Yeah, yeah. Because remember that, by, by the time you got to this, as I recall kind of you guys were done almost, but that forgiveness is a one-time event versus it's a process. Maybe yeah. he's responding to that in this sense, it can be yeah. a process because you you're more aware 10 years later of what was going on than you were when you were younger sure. and you sort of have to, Oh, now I forgive this level of understanding. I, I can still choose to forgive that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. It's, I think it's, it's easier for us to wrap our heads around that when you think of it as I was a little kid. I didn't know any better. And then I became an adult. I understood a lot more. And so my understanding of that situation changed and now I enter forgiveness. But I don't know if I don't know if I or if people tend to think about that as 
once you've hit adulthood, like maturity in adulthood, once I'll pick a random number. Once you've hit 40, is the way that you, is this, is there a similar type of process of forgiveness from 40 to 50? I was hurt, done wrong by someone at age 40. I forgave them then. And at age 50, I, I am still processing it and think about it differently than I did when I was 40. It'd be interesting to hear from Colin if he has specific examples where he has forgiven someone for something and then <clears throat> he reflects later in life that there, there was more to it and maybe he's reflecting on it and feeling like I, I'm, I think I'm still carrying a little burden around and uh, a grudge or whatever it might be. And I really thought I forgave them. So I, I think that's what it comes down to when it's like later in life, whether you're maturing or you're more wise. I mean, if you've forgiven, then you forgive. And there's you're really unleashing a burden that you drag along in life or in relationship. So I, I'd be, it'd be, do you guys have anything like that that I'm bringing up where you have forgiven someone you don't even need to tell them but you're like uh, we're good you know I'm, I'm forgive them or you do it in person but then later on you're like I I'm feeling something that's not right in this relationship and it might be that I haven't really let go of that yeah I can't I can't think of a specific example right now but i I know that's happened. Like there's it, there's like that, that tinge of like, Oh, I thought this was done. I thought I had fixed this. Even if it's not related to a person, maybe it's, maybe it's a, a doctrine you thought you had solved. And then there's new questions about it or whatever. Like there could, there's like this, this little ping in your mind, like, Oh, this is not uh I don't. I didn't have this all buttoned up the way I do, and I still feel discomfort over that. And I think there's some uh, an opportunity to process and continue processing. I think the word process is is important. You like how I enunciated those those T's? It's not important, <laughs> but the the word process for this is. It, you're not, nobody is done. Like if you think of yourself as a finished product, we're all so much more than, than our opinions, our ideas, what we believe about God, like all that stuff can shift and change. And we were talking about a little bit of this before we recorded is just like, it, it should be changing. You should be constantly testing and in process. And why wouldn't forgiveness be a part of that equation? But maybe that's why this is a unique thing is because, I think what Colin is trying to propose here, if I'm reading between the lines, it's forgiveness is usually viewed as a temporal event. Forgiveness happens. This event gets marked on the calendar and then we move forward. It's not that it is something that gets revisited and reprocessed again and again and over time versus lots of other, like our faith is not a single moment in time. Our faith is a process throughout the journey. So I I know I've invited Jesus into my heart. Like 17 times, times today so even. Times. Yes. 
Some you summoned him on the golf course today. I did. <laughs> well, that wasn't said. That was said. Yeah. It feels like that's back to the reconciling piece where he, later on, oh, there's we're still trying to work through things. I have forgiven, but you know, other stuff is coming up, but it has nothing to do with forgiveness because you've already done that. So I, I, I think there's a there's a barrier between those two things, and I think when once you've forgiven someone, it's that's done, and but the reconciling is is a totally different thing, and that's something that I could see Colin's uh, message there would lead me to that type of uh, path where ten years later you're like. Uh, I need to fix things. I've forgiven, but it's still not fixed. Relationship, whatever it might be. You mean in terms of reconciliation? Yes. Because I don't see how years later being more wise or mature that you would think, oh, oh, I, there's some other stuff that's coming up. It's like if, if you've truly forgiven someone in the moment, I don't think that I don't think that goes away or somehow a root grows and you you know something comes up again. I'm like I I don't that that to me is something specific to a relationship uh, between the two people. Whereas forgiveness is just you saying we're good. Truly, we're good. I've forgiven you, or you just have done it on your own. So I, I know this is going in circles, but I just, I, it'd be a whole lot better if uh, the the messenger was here with his message to respond. But that was a kind of a. So Andy, you mentioned what did you mention before we read the feedback, which was kind of all intertwined. But remind us of what you you mentioned to start the podcast. Oh, you think I remember what happened 2 minutes ago, <laughs> let alone 10 minutes ago? Uh, it was uh wasn't it related to temporal? No, it wasn't temporal. It was uh forgiveness, oh, whatever. Yeah, we'll rewind it later. <laughs> I'm trying to reconcile with my stomach right now. Oh my gosh. I I interpreted what Colin's text is just heard it for the first time and it's just quick but it seemed to me i might be wrong colin forgive me but like he was i think he was responding to the concept of um the process of forgiveness and then added a kind of a new twist that i hadn't thought of before the idea of when i'm 16 something happens and i forgive it with a 16 year old mentality and level of experience when i'm 46 i think man I didn't see it then, but this is what was actually going on. Yeah. So I forgave it at 16 with a 16-year-old awareness. At 46, you know, I, I, oh, now I see what I couldn't possibly yeah. have seen, I've seen before. So the process it is at 46, when I see that as maybe a more painful thing than I could see before, do I still forgive? With my new awareness – Am I going to stay in the process of it's, it? It's ongoing in that sense. I thought that's what he was getting at. And in that sense, it's still a process. Yeah. And, and maybe could it even bring up 
the wound again in a new way with the well, new of course it would yeah because which would require more work and so one could say like oh you didn't actually forgive it back then and yeah maybe so maybe, but well it's a capacity no, it's a capacity thing right like w- maybe maybe not all people have the same capacity of forgiveness and maybe even our own selves at different points in our life don't have the same capacity of forgiveness that we do at different points in our lives. So like we were saying, a 16-year-old or a 6-year-old doesn't have the same capacity of forgiveness that a 46-year-old has, let alone processing and perspective. Or how how old are you, Jeff? How old are you? 76. Uh, You're so old, you can't remember. I forgot. I'm 50. Why why do you ask? How old are you in Jabba the Hutt years? Oh. Yeah, man, I feel like I'm 700. <laughs> <laughs> that should be the title of this episode. Just spell that out phonetically. Yeah. But I'm thinking like at 16, in this forgiveness thing, you're not even aware of the depth of the sin. Yeah. As you are, as you might be at 46 looking back on it. You say, oh, at 16, I thought he mistakenly was borrowing from my, my wallet. Now I realize the dude was stealing from me. That's flat out stealing and taking advantage of a kid. And so you, you're more aware of the levels, the depth of the sin against you. And will you stay in that process of forgiveness? I thought that's yeah. part of what Colin was getting at, which is even if he great, wasn't, let's great go insight. That, yeah, even if he wasn't, let's go that angle. I think that's worth discussing. I think part of it is being a forgiving person. Like the, they're there are, you're going to be wronged many ways in life and to have there's something of just having capacity to forgive there's people that i'm sure all of us know they're like they they would never they'll hold on to that they're not going to let that go um no matter what and it could be a small thing a trivial thing in your eyes or or a big thing but it, there's something of being a it's kind of like a generous person like in or a forgiving person they just they'll forgive and and hope to you know have things repaired in a relationship um so i that's kind of that's where i that's where i stand on that it's more of being a forgiving person than uh doesn't matter the level of um sin something came to mind for me just now Cause I was trying to imagine, I was trying to remember if I've had any of these types of experiences and the closest I could think of was, uh, years ago I had, I had a manager who had, um, kind of not been the greatest person to me or for me uh, and wasn't, wasn't working on my behalf. And I knew to some extent what role he'd played and, what he'd done and um and I was able to transition out and move away and kind of get away from this person and and had gotten a little bit of an insight from someone else hey this guy's not on your team it'd be best for you to get away and I did and uh and and I remember at the end like right before I was leaving he and I went out and we met up and we got a we got a drink and and talked and he's like hey you know hope kind of a no hard feelings sort of thing. Hope you know, blah, blah, blah. And uh, at the time I was just, I, I was more interested in like making this quietly sort of go away and not 
ruffle any feathers as I moved away and left and went to a different team. Um, but I also did forgive him at the time. And later on, you know, months later, I got more information. And it was like one of those things where it was worse than I had known before and was kind of placed in this situation of like, well, I, I think in my heart I'd forgiven him and for him, but maybe even more so for me because I needed, I needed not sit on this thing and carry it because it was painful. It sucked. I didn't want to, I didn't want to own that anymore in my heart and new revelation comes on. Hey, again, it was worse than you thought it was. He was not a good dude. And, uh, and I was trying to remember back to that going like, I don't think, I don't think I went through a new process, like a very clear new process. Oh, I need to re-forgive for this moment. Um, I think I wasn't, I wasn't as deeply impacted. Maybe had that been the first time I'd heard that information. It was just more like, okay, that's more information on that. Um, my feelings of like forgiveness and release for the, for the original information that I had still felt like they existed. So if I'm like trying to go, Hey, did I go down and fill out the form? Did I fill out form number two of forgiveness and check the box that yes, so-and-so is now forgiven again for the new revelation that I have about how they were lame. I don't think I went through that process and I think I was okay. Yeah. Yeah. You, I mean, I don't know if you always need to go through that process. I guess if you don't feel like revisiting it or if it's not a big enough bugaboo in your mind, that's a word that applies to forgiveness. Well, reconciliation wasn't something that I was going after either. And it wasn't like I wasn't looking to make enemies. It was, I was looking to make space. Hey, you're not a safe person. You're not on, you're not on my team. It's okay if we don't interact anymore but getting that new information and then considering the possibility that you don't need to rethink this um is a process Mm -hmm. i mean you're processing that and decided there's no more work that needs to be done yeah i'm still good i don't want to rethink it don't want to revisit it that's a process that's true that's all i hear Colin saying, if in fact I'm correct in my assumption that he's responding to this sure. idea of forgiveness as a process, not just a one-time uh, decision. Yeah. But it really is a process in that sense. And maybe even the consideration of forgiveness. And that's maybe that's the part where we get hung up on if we think of like forgiveness as this like thin moment in time. The moment that you say the words, I forgive, or in your head or in your heart utter those words i forgive so and so that's when it occurs but maybe maybe what we're saying is it's a little broad there's a there's a lead up there's a preamble and there's a postamble have you have you guys in terms of for forgiveness and process can you think of experiences where you were aware that you were supposed to forgive but you were honest about the fact that i'm i haven't you haven't forgiven and thinking, I want to get to the place where I can, but I am not there and I haven't yet. And I'm not, I don't see when I'll be able to. Have you, have you been wounded in or violated in, uh, in that sense? Have you gone through that process? That's, that's an honest part of the process. 
no, I want to punch you in the nose. You know, I don't, I don't want to see you. I don't want to see that person at the store. If they're at Costco, when I'm at Costco, I'm going down a different aisle and I can't stay here, but this is where I am. Yeah. Oof. The silence is golden. There's several, I mean, there's, there's several times when I was younger where I, felt like somebody well somebody had wronged me and it was in uh work they had um they were pretty much dismissing me without um really having any communication and i had to defend myself but outside of their authority and um, I was just kind of an independent contractor. And when they, and I literally was kind of trying to keep things together. And ultimately they, they're just like, you're, you're done. And, and nobody really fought for me. And uh, at the time I'm, I, it really, I just, I'm like, I've been wrong so bad. And I, I actually saw I saw this person at a, like a Home Depot or a Lowe's and uh, they really went out of their way to just make sure that I wasn't going to be with them working anymore. But after, and I just, when I'd see this person, I'd be like, it was uncomfortable. When I became a believer and I saw them in the, the Lowe's or Home Depot, wherever I was, it's almost like I already, I saw them, but I saw them as like, man, I can't believe I carried that burden around. That was like, I, I, you know, I think I might've said hello and, and, uh, but it had been several years. It had been many years and that was, you know, I, I carried that and with, and, uh, and I knew it, but I didn't realize what it was doing to me. It was just kind of devouring me from the inside. So you just get to the point where I'm like, I release, I release this person from, you know, what I've held on to. They might not even think they did anything wrong. They were maybe been like, I, I'm in the right. How, how about as a full blown, fully committed, fully aware believer? Same question, but as a believer, you said, but once I became a believer, I kind of let go. Uh, yeah. I've never held, I've always just, I can't think of any time I've held on to something that somebody has done where, where I, I haven't forgiven them. Like I'm like, man, that's the choice they made. It's, it's, it's fine. And, and, uh, you know, maybe that's because you've never been a pastor. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, no, I'm, I'm just, I'm kidding with you. I, I don't, and somebody had, somebody had that I work with now had told me, you know, the forgiveness that you were given, uh, like when you were younger or growing up, you would pass that on. And I'm like, and this person said, you always bring up your mom and how she always just like, yeah, you're, it's fine. Are you okay? Like, and just like, none of the wrongs were ever wrong. They were just dismissed. And it's like focusing on you and, 
your heart and your soul. And, and so I don't know. I, I'm, I do know. I mean, I think that's true. You just, there's forgiving people and there's people that maybe are in process to try and not hold on to something um, so much or so long or have it affect them or have it affect a relationship and, and try and find, I don't know, some people call it like finding peace with it. But I really truly feel that, you know, over the last 10, 11 years, if anything's ever come up where I felt like someone wronged me, I'm like, I mean, if they asked me, are we good? Do you forgive me? I already did. You're all, we're so good. Um, maybe that's just wanting to keep connection with people, but that's kind of how I grew up. I watched that play out with, with my mom. So I was, and maybe I'm, I'm fortunate that way uh, in terms of how I, I deal with situations that are really bad and negative that or could just drown you but releasing people from faults is is fun yeah i, I think i have uh, thank you jeff i hear you thank you i just want to acknowledge that you just said words and that i appreciate that I I was just going to start talking without acknowledging that beautiful thing you just said. So, Um, yeah, yeah, I forgive you. You forgive me. (laughs) He already forgave you before he even said it. For the foundation of the world, even? Was I I sleeping while I was talking? You might have been. No, but we were. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. Oh, man. Uh, See, just like that. I already forgave you. I guess the big one for me, well, I don't guess. I know the big one for me. And I just, I'll be interested to see where this goes because it's a, it's like the Trump card. That There's that, it's a version of the Brian Regan sketch of walking on the moon. This is way old, but you're, if you're at a dinner party, you want to be the, the astronaut that walked on the moon because no matter what, Somebody's bragging about at the dinner table. You always got like, oh, yeah, I walked on the moon. It's like the conversation (laughs) ender slash it's it's the ultimate topper. But um, yeah, I went to state in high school. Oh, that's cool. Good for you. You went to state. I I walked on the moon. Exactly. It was that. Yeah. That little thing. But as far as forgiveness goes, like the big one for me is, is losing a kid. And... Um. So, so the process part, I didn't actually think of. I didn't tie the process concept of forgiveness, or didn't think about it too much, even though I've been doing it until now. Um, but it's it's been a wild journey of you know theology changing, and so for maybe forgiveness changing, like going from. When this happened 16, 17 years ago, uh, theology of like, not that God would ordain something like that, but okay, God's, God has a plan in this, but still being upset, having to sort of in a way forgive God for, for losing a kid, try to forgive the medical professionals who you feel like maybe let you down in certain ways. Um which I think 
has happened, but there's still times where I look back and it's like, ah, it, it could have been different. It, it could have been different. Maybe am I still bitter about that? And, and sometimes it comes up like for the most part, the bitterness isn't there, but when it does come up, it does reveal like, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe there still is some things to process and chew on for the God part of it. It it has led me to a point where it's, I'm less of a God pray for God to do miracles guy. Like I know this is going against what most Christians believe and, I want to believe this still, but there's a big part of me that currently stands in the space of if God could do something but doesn't do it. If it is, is God, that worse? Yeah, is that worse? What does it say about God that could have saved my child? Or you know, pick pick your poison, pick your terrible tragedy of God could do it, but He's just not doing it because. For the most part, it's gravity. Like people, people die. All of us are going to end up dying in one way or another. And so, at a certain point, when people reach a certain age, the prayers stop being, "Oh God, this is before their time. Please save them," and they turn towards comfort and peace, and and because they've lived a full life, but you don't pray for a miracle to have them live forever because that's not how life works. So. Um, and now I'm rambling, Jeff. And please, anybody jump in at any time. But there is, there has been a process of, you know, bitterness and grief and lament, and it's all kind of tied together. Um, is there a weird concept of? Well, I, I while you were describing this, I just wondered if. Uh, about I just wondered about the idea of forgiving God. Yeah, well, because yeah, I think, and what does that mean as a Christian? It sounds super counterintuitive, or like, why would you ever need God's perfect? He's He's loving, He's just, He's righteous. Like, why would you ever need to forgive Him? But I think it's a good question. I'd be interested to hear what you guys think about that. We have a we have a wizard in the room. I know. And, um, yeah, but Jeff's already spoken. So, <laughs> <laughs> just because Jeff has more gray hair than you are doesn't doesn't mean that he's. More I don't have of a any wizard. more gray hair. It's all white now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the white wizard approaches. Um, but what about that idea of? I like that of forgiving of forgiving God. Is that a is that a holy? W H O L L Y. Um, inaccurate um, concept is that is that bad theology? It's honest theology. I mean, I forgive. Um, we forgive based on our sense of offense. So you may be perfectly right in what you said to me. You may be telling me the truth. You may have, may have done it in love. But I, if I receive it and somehow I'm wounded by it, um, my, my need to forgive you and find freedom that comes from forgiveness for me, but also t- 
to make reconciliation possible is really, um, it, it doesn't necessarily imply that you did anything wrong. It mm-hmm. talks about how I received what you did and how it felt to me and what work I have to do inside me to forgive you. Yeah. But I forgive you for things that may not even have been sins. They're, they're, uh, they ended up bring, feeling. Bring that mic up a little closer. They ended up feeling like something was wrong from my side. So I can, I can, I think it's a good theology to say, I feel as though God let me down. Yeah. Did he? Not in, maybe not logically, maybe a lot, not theologically. I know that he's perfect and whatever he does is good because he's, that's, he is love. So he's not really capable of doing anything that's not based in love. But I feel like, from what I can understand, he, he let me down. And I, I need to get to a point where I can let that go and forgive him for that. But it doesn't, my need to forgive God has to do with how I received whatever he did or didn't do. It's yeah. not necessarily based on whether it was right or wrong. So I don't think it's bad theology. I just think it's honest. Look, God, I know you're good. I know you're perfect. I get all that stuff logically. You still really piss me off, and I feel like you jacked me up. You, yeah. you have the power to do something. You didn't do it. How can you possibly expect me to understand that? And so I feel wounded. I feel let down. I feel violated. I feel I'm so disappointed. Disappointed doesn't even capture it. So I need to make a decision to forgive him, even though he didn't sin against me. Mm-hmm. It's obvious when we're talking about when someone sinned against me and violates me, right. and everybody would agree with that. But mm-hmm. the concept of forgiveness can apply even when you realize maybe 16 and then when you're 46, you realize, oh, he didn't, he didn't do me wrong. I just felt like he did. Yeah. Still, because I feel this way, I need to somehow forgive so that, so that there can still be some connection. Does that make any sense at all? It does. It immediately reminded me there's a Sufjan Stevens song and it starts out and he says, Oh God, where are you now? And like that immediately put uh, like a finer point on it for me as you were describing that because it's, it's a great call out. It's the, it's a beautiful way of saying you left me high and dry. Where were you? How could you do this? How could you let me down? How could you not show up? And so that song progresses and it says, there's no other man who could save me. There's no other man who could anoint me. So it's, it comes full circle, but I, I do love the, the beauty and the honesty of saying, where were you when I needed you most? We can say that even when theologically, intellectually, logically, we know that he was with us because he's always with us. Sure. But I don't feel like you're with me. And I don't see you. I don't hear you. I know you're here in my head. I know that's true. I know it's true, but it feels false. And so we can have that lament, that complaint. Yeah. And it's hard. It's I. I feel like I've learned more. It's hard. It is hard. It's hard to know. I feel like I've learned more as a father as I get older of the mistakes I need to consciously let my kids make and allow them to experience the outcome of those mistakes versus jumping in and preventing it. Mm. And that's... 
And that's loving. That's actually good parenting and it's loving. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's like uh, there's there's so many times as a parent you just want, you want to do, your instinct is to just solve bring, it. bring comfort, solve it for them. But you're making them weaker and, and mm. unable to progress and level up, as it were, in life. And it's it's wild. It, it's a, an example of forgiving God, even though like He doesn't need forgiveness. Um, is as a parent when you see your kid going through something, or your your kid is upset at you for something, and you know all along they'll they'll come around. This is this is not about me. They're they're working through stuff, and so as your kid grows and levels up and then they get it, they get the thing that you knew they would get, or you were hoping they would get, you're hoping to lead them to. Um, and then it dawns on them that like, Oh, you weren't being just a jerk for being a jerk's sake. And you're just, you're there for them when that, when that light bulb moment happens, it's like, yeah, I knew you would come around whatever that looks like. I know I'm being vague for the example, but it's, it, I don't know. There's just this, the, the wisdom of, of knowing when to withhold cause it's going to do them good. Like this, the metaphor of extending that to God is, is pretty profound. And it's also frustrating because you want, you want to know that there's a plan and you want to know that for sure but oftentimes it's like if there is a plan i'm waiting for you to tell me because i wish you would tell me because right now i feel like the shit's hitting the 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 plan fan the plan fan (laughs) you know i I equated giving forgiveness or holding not forgiving is carrying weight or burdens around and and so to forgive um is you're releasing that uh, but a, a better visual is just keeping a door open for people to walk through in, I mean, in a, in connection. And so to not forgive, you're, you're keeping that door closed and there's always going to be a barrier there. So um, I think when it comes to God, like that door is always open. It's always open for us. And I don't, I mean, I don't, we may have it in our minds that we, oh, we have to forgive God, but it's really like, it's already, so it's already open. I mean, you, you don't have to, God is not some, something, someone that uh, you need to for, forgive because they haven't done anything. It's just the world is the world and there's, bad things that happen and and but ultimately keeping the door open for connection is number one so you don't think- staying in an attitude of forgiveness then is that what you're talking about again keeping my door open is i'm i'm developing and staying in an attitude of forgiveness right you're always ready to in the worst of times always ready just to receive like it's kind of like, um, you know, Jesus on the cross in, and just, uh, you know, exclaiming, you know, forgive them. And that's it. What were you going to say, Andy? Yeah. 
Oh, it sounded like you were saying though that that you felt like we didn't need to forgive God. Things just happen, and God is not the one to blame, and so God would not be the one to forgive. God's never the one to blame. Never. Unless, never. So does God not save people? But sometimes it feels that way. And that's the thing is like uh, art talking about like, you know, in your head that things happen. It all all depends on what you believe. What, what is, how does God act in the world? Like I'm jealous. Personally, I'm jealous of uh, reformed theology in a way the Calvinistic wing of Christianity because it's like, yeah, the the worst things, the best things, it's all laid out. God has a plan and you can trust that plan. And I think at, at a time I had a, a, I had a belief that that's the way God interacted with the world. And I've lost that. And, you know, I've moved from that to most of my life. It's like, God has a plan, but also we have free will. And you try to strike that balance. So how much, how much would we blame God for things? Um, not much, because there's free will. That's the, the the out for that is like, oh yeah, bet shitty things happen because everyone has free will, and somehow that interacts with God's ultimate plan. But we don't know how it is. It's almost like trying to strike the balance. So now my intuition is more. Like if God is is love and agape love definitionally is not controlling, like God might have a lot less control than we either want him to have. And in some way that brings comfort because God is with us in the midst of things that he literally can't control your 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 kid that you are praying for that you want God to fix because you're at the end of your rope and you can't you can't fix that. God literally can't because God is love and by definition love is uncontrolling. That's kind of what I'm toying with now or, or exploring is the the process theology, I think is the name for it, or open and relational theology. Can we test it? Out there. Can we know. test it for a minute? Sure. So you as a father, um, would it not be a, uh, an act of love to save your kid and control the shooter across the street who's trying to shoot your kid would that would that be or not be an act of love oh yeah like if i would do everything within my power to save my kid right is that loving i think so wait i lost you somehow is it so he was the statement. Is it that, loving to stop somebody from killing your kid? Is that what yeah. you're Andy saying? Andy is well, laying a trap for my theology right now. Okay, I get, okay, I see. Well, <laughs> what the, the, I didn't know what was going on. What because I was ready to forgive him for it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're a better man. But than get me. your shovel out, Art. We're digging deep, buddy. There are other uses of a shovel. <laughs> yeah, there are. We might get to that too. <laughs> I would block the bullet with my shovel. Oh, that's good. Oh, okay. You would keep the shit upon the shooter. Uh, no, <laughs> but the point is, if God is love and love cannot control, that's the statement that you're making. 
And so the question I have is, is I, I just want to poke at that a little bit. Is, is that a true statement that love cannot control? Because in some ways we would say, I, as a loving father, because I love my kids, would do everything within my power to control the person who's trying to hurt them. Why would we not put that expectation on our Heavenly Father, who we say loves us? Yeah, and that's why the the problem of why bad things happen is just never going to be solved. Well, what's harder for me is if you can somehow hold in your mind that God is not the absent clockmaker who set set the world like spun spun up effectively the the dial of the world and set it in motion and then walked away. If you still think that God does anything in the world, acts in any way in the world, the harder question for me is, so what is the logic between where he picks and chooses where where he wants to act in the world? Right. Which is what has kind of led me to like, okay, exploring the open relation theology, which is, um, God, God doesn't, because if God, God could, he, I think I said Dodd or dog or both talking about God, dyslexia or dogma or dogma. Um, yeah, that's, that's the rub. Like, what does it say about God? If there better be some sort of plan is what I think. Like if, if it's like, yeah, I could, you just don't see the bigger plan to things. I could fix your relative's cancer. You know, I, I could have prevented. Listen, six million Jews dying is part of my plan. Right. Like, sorry, we just had to let that one go, but don't worry, we'll get there. That's why I'm so jealous of, of the Calvinist mindset in a way, because it is the ultimate piece. Like, boom, God's got a plan. The head is there. It's like instantly you know it, you believe it. And I know I'm. it's a little bit of a cheap version that mm-hmm. I've got people that are Reformed theology people that are I'm friends with that would say it in a much more beautiful way that doesn't sound so offensive, but that, that just feels so offensive to me. Art, you shook your head when I made the statement about six million Jews you don't dying. think it happened? You don't think the Holocaust happened, Art? <laughs> yeah, go ahead and really, really find me that way. You know. So what you're saying, Art. <laughs> but were you shaking your head? <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. I was shaking my head to the the notion that that's just part of my plan. Right. It's oh, all yeah. good for me. I am love. And so that somehow must have been loving. And that was in. You know, that was the implication. I don't buy it. But it's, it's so the, the, each one of these views of God corrects a problem, but then leads to more questions. Every time you, every time in my experience that I've systematized God, I had a system, yeah. had a theology that was a system that this is how it works. This is how it's designed. This is how it works. And it has to work. The bottom line for me is, I'm not saying that this has to all work out. I'm willing to live with mystery and have things be true at the same time that don't fit at the same time. Uh, 
And some would say, okay, that's a cop out because you're you're intellectually um, weak. There, I'm saying I don't I don't think so. I think I need to learn how to live with mystery, and the maturity might even be be defined as an increased ability to live with mystery without throwing away things that are true, but not being able to reconcile everything that I think is true at the same time, which gives a lot of people a headache. And some people say that's what systems, theological systems are for. So you don't have those outliers. I'm saying, I think the outlier is the essence of my faith. Um, And I want to be able to live with mystery. So I know God is loving. I know God has power. I don't think he's choosing to be in control today. If he's in control right now and designing everything, then we're, man, some, we're like some, some pretty nasty to... things on, on a yeah. loving God. Right. But I think uh, ultimately his plan will come about. And most people I know could agree with at least that statement. Some people say, God has everything. I don't know if I've shared this when I was with you guys before, but people say God has um, God has a plan for everything. I say, I don't buy it. Yeah. I rather say God has everything for his plan. God, so whatever happens that is not so wonderful, like the six million Jews or the one child, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily blame that on God. But I I know somehow he'll redeem it somehow as unfathomable as that is, and I can find rest in that, and I don't have to have all the pieces fit together because they don't fit together. They do, yeah, and that's I think that's the uh, there's a term everything ha- not everything happens for a reason but everything happens like you live long <laughs> enough everything everything happens and that's just that's what life is. And it can feel that can be depressing and refreshing in the same way. Like there's a certain refreshment to you find happiness when you realize you'll never actually be happy. Kind of like a philosophical experiment of like, um, I I was trying to think of multiple things at the same time. So I lost my train of thought. Well, just live with the mystery. Yeah, exactly. I, I think the closest that I can come to it with God not controlling the world is is how much he values how, that he loves us enough that he's given free will. And and to the degree that he's willing to make that trade for sin and evil to happen in the world. That's the argument that I've heard. It's, it's that important to him that that we as humans have free will, that the trade is worth it, which is pretty intense if you think about it. But the other thing that came to mind was, I think the the Jeremiah 29, 11 gets misused a lot of times. The For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, et cetera, et cetera. It gets used a lot in the personal and like the very specific like definitive, Zach, I know the plans I have for you. For for me? Just for you specifically, but that's not what that verse is about, right? That verse is like that is God saying, I know how the I know how the end goes. I know I know how this story ends. And there's but that doesn't say I dictate all the things, I dictate every move that happens along the way. It's just that I know, I know what the end thing is. So that helps me um, 
feel better. <laughs> well, and also the idea of, I know the intentions I have for you. Um, I know what I long for, for you. I know what my dream is for you. Right. And that may be a misrepresentation. I might be wrong on that, but. Um, it, is that a. I want, well, yeah, he says I that. wonder what that word, like it gets, th- these words get translated, but mm-hmm. I, I'm not familiar with the original language for that particular passage, but oftentimes the, the chosen English word doesn't do a complete justice to the, the meaning behind passages. Is yeah. that something that you know can shed no. light on with that particular one? Or is nope. that just like your own not on that one. potential I'm just, take? As we're talking as brothers, I'm just kind of yeah, thinking, and I, reflecting. That, that would almost be more meaningful. Also, it was. It might be all inclusive. I mean, that that word. I'm guessing it would would include all those things. The our understanding of plan, uh, intention, dream, uh, yeah. in light of free will. Remember that was spoken to Israel or to to uh, the Jewish nation in exile. Right. Yeah. Things were not going well for them, yeah. and uh, God shows His heart for His people. That's the most general statement, and it's yeah. it's for good. Yeah, yeah, I'm for you is yeah. what he's saying. Yeah, and a lot of these. One thing I was thinking about when we were talking about forgiveness before recording, and then now, and just always is, and I'll throw this out there and see what you guys think. Um, is should I ask the question or just make the statement of what I think? I'm thinking out loud now. I don't know. You just did ask a question. Uh, <laughs> um, the idea of like the the idea of God having a plan or the free will versus ordained, and we're all none of us are in the everything is ordained camp. And in that light, like when you see so much terrible things in the world the the idea of god's grace and forgiveness that we've been talking about most christians see it actually i ran into a guy today that um i had a little chat with talking about his brother-in-law is probably going to die soon in the hospital going to be taken off a ventilator and he doesn't think he's saved I'm putting him in scare quotes and it's like the concept of like oh if if that guy could just wake up and come to the right realization then he would be saved just seems it's really foreign to me like the idea of that man's experience God's grace is limited to his experience makes to me makes God's grace and God in general super small like you get this one life, whether it's you're born into slavery or you're you're a woman born into a culture where they're going to uh, castrate you and you you have that certain role and like so your view of God is that way because that's what you're given. And, but you, if you don't come to a faith in Jesus Christ, sorry, you're not saved. Like, is God's grace, my question is, along with all that baggage I just threw at the wall, is that is God's grace limited by our experience? Like each individual's experience, God's grace cannot go beyond your experience in the here and now. If God is eternal and personal and cares about us somehow on an individual level, that eternal God, he 
you can do no better than like the uh, what's the movie God's Not Dead, where the, you get hit by a car and you're dying, and you're like, oh, now I see Jesus. Oh, please save me, and then you die. Oh, thank God he was saved. He said he came to faith. Paul talks about that though, right? Doesn't Paul talk about those who've never heard? Well, of course he does. He challenges us to go make sure they've heard. He also talks about nature and yeah, they're without excuse. They can they can at least see that there's a God. This doesn't make any sense, but uh, without some intelligent investment. Um, so yeah, he does. Uh, you asked the question, though, Zach. Is God? It it maybe it's semantics. I don't know. Let's clarify. Let's let's talk about do it. it. Is God's grace? I think you said is God's grace limited? Yeah, limited. By to our by our experience, by our experience, or I took that as our experience of it, or our willingness to embrace it. Or no, some people don't even get a get a taste of like the version of God that most of us believe in. I'm convinced that God's grace is not limited by anything, by anything we do. It's a hundred percent poured out. So His grace in and of itself is not hindered. Whether it's the effic- whether it's efficacious or not, whether we whether we embrace it, our experience of it is hindered. Yeah, yeah. But I don't. And you, maybe I'm being too conceptual, too philosophical. But no, I don't th- do it theologically. I think he's there's nothing that holds back his grace. His grace is poured out, a hundred percent poured out with full force. Yeah. Whether I receive it or not, whether I take it in. This is nothing new about this. This is just sort of basic soteriology. So um, I think that's hindered. My understanding of it is hindered. My awareness of it is hindered. My reception of it is hindered. My appreciation of it is hindered. And in some ways, maybe even as a Christian receiving it and, and being reconciled after him um, and receiving his forgiveness, maybe even still, uh, I'm holding, I'm hindering my understanding and the experience of his grace. But his grace in and of itself, I don't think is hindered. So maybe that's just semantics. Maybe that's what you were talking about, actually. You made multiple racks of ribs tonight. Some were better than others. And I could only eat so much of them. And I was completely full. And there's more back there. But I could only experience a portion of them. <laughs> Because that's all I can do. You experienced three or four portions. I did. I had multiple portions of them. (laughs) And we all did. And there's still more. So we haven't experienced all of it. So to some degree, our experience. I wish the audience could see the way Jeff is laying on the couch right now. (laughs) He's mostly dead. (laughs) He's displaying the experience. I don't don't know if I can go another minute. I'm just, I'm I'm dying. (laughs) You poor guy. I mean, your belly was aching. You, You had a headache before you sat down. You're sitting on a comfortable couch. And you're and doing a late. lot of praying right now. Are you praying? Or are you awake? Or? <laughs> Asking God to take the sin from his body. <laughs> <laughs> take my gluttony away. Dear God, forgive, <laughs> forgive me, Lord, continue, for my gluttony. Continue your metaphor, though. <laughs> I feel like you were doing a metaphor. Well, it, it yeah. Meaning, of course, our experience... If God's grace is indeed so big, then naturally our experience will be limited and we will get a portion of that as much as we can experience as humans. And it's full for us, but it doesn't mean that it's equal to the fullness of God's grace. 
Correct. Yeah. Does the verse that I don't remember the the address of it, but God is the savior of the world, especially for those who believe. I think there's some truth to that. And we could Google that to find the reference. www. But, but it's... Um, That's the address. Just, I know we can play uh, Bible bingo and find different verses to counteract that. But that concept of like, what if God is the savior of the entire world? And there are plenty of verses to back that up. Like, there's a strand of universalism in Paul and other parts of the Bible that are, are pretty compelling to me, uh, but offset by other verses. But the idea of like God being the save, the redeemer of all things and working the, the flow of justice in the world is towards ultimate reconciliation of all things. And in that light, that verse, the savior of the world, especially to those who believe, I think, lends a little credence to the idea of like, yeah, the grace is always there. It's whether I, whether or not you know it, whether you experience it or not, will depend on your time and place. Um, How many ribs are you going to be able to eat? Maybe. Like, I don't know. Not everyone can eat. I can eat more ribs than my kid can eat. But I, I can't get that verses like that and like the idea of God being ultimately being all in all things. That's a pretty powerful verse. Or as as an Adam, all have died, but in Christ, all will be made alive. Like the 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 same group that's in Adam, and that's in that verse is the same group that will be made alive. So that that's if they're uh, in Christ, maybe. But it, were not- they so they don't have a choice whether or not they're in Adam, but then we're gonna hold it against them eternally because they didn't become in Christ, quote unquote, in the correct way. Like that that's just a what's the correct way? Well, exactly. But so none of us have a choice to enter the world. Right. We're, we're but and so if our experience doesn't lead us to a correct view of Jesus, then it's held against us forever. Like that that runs counter to any good notion of justice in my book. If you if we're looking at forever, is there an forever in- punishment versus forever reward? I know I'm taking us a little off course, but I think it's in the same ballpark. These are the things that I wrestle with, or that have led me to being kind of hopeful in like, if there is a God that cares about us personally, there's a big part of me that just has to hold on to the fact to the idea that there is a progression towards redeeming all things somehow. Ultimately, obviously it doesn't happen in this lifetime. So will God reconcile those who don't want to be reconciled? Uh, no, that, well, that would be a violation of their free will. But the question is, can, if you get a taste of just the ultimate unfiltered love and acceptance of being, can you say no to that? And that, I don't think that happens in this life. I don't know what that means. <laughs> well, just, just coming in, just 
the best ribs you've I ever I don't know had. how, yeah. Like, Put it in, can you, you do a rib metaphor for me? <laughs> I only understand <laughs> Forget the ribs. The tequila was the home run to Yeah, right. right. Yeah. Yes. The tequila. <laughs> like, I only function in tequila and rib metaphors tonight. So you've only been able to farm at a small agave farm. <laughs> um, you've only had Jose Cuervo before tonight, and, and then you experienced... I have to look up that verse. El Forgorno. Okay, while you're looking. So let me ask this. The observation and question. So I've been, I listened to the podcast, obviously. And the last, of the last four podcasts, this is just from my memory, memory, at least three of them have been all about this question of forgiveness, 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 Mm -hmm. and reconciliation and all the nuances of that. This is a, a positive question. What is it? What is it about this topic that is so dominant? Can't quite get off it. It's multifaceted, and I think it it ultimately lands with what is what is the destiny of humanity. Well, that that I mean, it's only everything art. That's all. Just you know, know, but you guys have spent just eternity. You spent. (laughs) (laughs) You've had all kinds of topics that you've talked about, and and you know, sub sub subtopics. Well, it's the new hotness, man. You sort of landed here for a while. Yeah, that that's an interesting point. Um, I mean, somehow very important. Part part of it is, like personally, I don't worry about the eternal i don't have right now i don't have and i don't know if this is right i'm not saying this is the correct way to go because honestly i struggle with whether it is or not i don't have the conviction to like like this my friend that i talked to today like he's he might die and he's if he dies unsaved you know that's it like he's gone forever um that that idea that that god is gonna whatever hell is it's a place people go forever because they didn't get it right in this temporal life it's just a stupid idea of justice it's bullshit um so i don't worry about the eternal right now i don't know if that's right and uh, that's a wrestling match i have going on but the forgiveness part tangibly right in the here and now there's so much polarization like uh, in this world like everything has to be a political purity test where you're either on this side or if you maybe use right the wrong phrase, it's seen as a dog whistle and you're on this side and it's tough to know what's up or down. And so I think forgiveness, the idea of grace and forgiveness just to somebody that you see things differently to is never been more needed. And so we haven't talked specifically about those politics things, but maybe it's just in our air and milieu that people need to reconsider forgiveness and what that means toward each other, toward each other. And maybe, so maybe that's part of it because that's, it's just, I don't know. Even with family, like, like people I agree with, they'll, they'll say something about some, the hot button issue of the day. And I might agree with, their general direction, they, their opinion on the matter. But if I disagree about the way they're talking about it, or I think it's not a charitable view, any pushback on my end is seen as like, Oh, you're, 
you're with them? It's like, mm-hmm. no, I, I'm actually with you more than you think I am, but I just think there's a better way to go about it. And and that's true on both sides. Like there's just this weird purity test of like, you got to say all the right things about a specific issue or you have to start shooting beer cans. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what <laughs> it is. Like, it's like, and then people end up shooting the wrong beer cans because it started with the same letter. It's just, it's hilarious the way we're going about life. I don't know about that one. That sounds fun though. I somebody, guess. somebody destroyed a bunch of bush light. Oh, perfect. In a store because he was, you know, against Bud Light. It was Bud Light, right? It wasn't it was Bud Light. Bud yeah. Light. I was wondering Bush Light. Hmm. But yeah, he's just he just was like, oh, looking for the the beer that starts with B, and I'm gonna destroy him because of trans stuff. B Light. That's what I Whatever saw. Whatever it is. Close uh, enough. Bur- <laughs> Burgermeister. Do you guys remember that? No, we were too young. We weren't allowed to drink beer back then. I don't remember definitely either, remembers that. But Jeff remembers. <laughs> Jeff. Like the turn of the century. It's too bad we're not on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> well, so Art, uh, Zach just said that he doesn't believe in hell. Do you believe in hell? You sound like Scott. I know. Well, I got to fill in. But Whatever you, hell is. You did kind of say that. It might right? be close. No, I just I just think if if hell is. No chance to turn back. And forever. Eternal damnation. Eternal torment, whatever that yeah. looks like. Yeah, I don't I don't think I think that would be a, if that's the God we're serving, I think he's pretty weak and can't get things done. So I'm I'm not putting words in your mouth, right? You don't you don't believe in hell. I don't I believe that No, because I would say I would say like hell I think the metaphor of fire, I think, is good because it's often used for for cleansing and purification, and so eternal damnation. There you go. I don't believe in that. You don't believe in that. Okay. I have questions about it. Yeah, there's there's hell in some fashion, but uh, I don't I don't think Dante's hell is the Bible's hell necessarily. So I have, I have lots of questions about it. Yeah. Some of them, some of them would parallel Zach's questions. I think. I think Jeff feels like he's in hell right now. <laughs> so many Jeff is currently so experiencing his own personal hell. <laughs> oh my gosh! I think that I think that we create our own hell on Earth if we're just not forgiving people, and it just creates it closed doors in our world. And also, you are the catalyst to others uh, seeing you and being like, well, you don't even, you know, forgive and you hold things, uh, you know, that have been wronged to you. And, and so then, uh, you know, I'll do the same, you know, the family that I uh, have, they'll be like I am and they won't forgive and they'll hold grudges and, uh, and, it'll just go on and on to the point that there's a lot of doors closed now in our society where people just won't even talk. Cause they're just, I can't even listen to you. There is no open conversation. Um, and we can't have a back and forth and be at peace with what, where people are in their beliefs and their life. But it can 
it just seems like it's just gone south and sideways real quick. Uh, and I think part of that is just people are, are just burned and, and there's a little hell on earth here. I think that's definitely true. But the idea of, I think most Christians struggle or they, the, the idea of eternity, if it, there's an eternal destiny for all people. Point of no return. Yeah, mm. I think it's worth asking the questions about, okay, God, it, it brings up so many, it brings up a million questions, like creating humans, and it's almost like punishing them eternally for not Go play in the mud, but if you get dirty, you're in trouble kind of a thing. Like, we were going to get in trouble kind of a thing. We were going to get dirty. This is the way the world is. is. And so if there, if God is eternal and we're temporal and, and we don't have a choice coming into the world, it's a violation of justice for there to be like the punishment of that degree. If, which there's, is, no, if there's no way back. Yeah. And but there so is, right? The ultimate, yeah. And that's why it's it's like the idea of like some, you know, the Catholic purgatory, which there's, I don't know. But I don't that's know. The, maybe that's the double-edged sword of free will and why it is so important to God. Maybe. But I know I wouldn't, there's no version of me being a loving dad of putting my kids through something like that. So I can never make my kids come back to me like that, that prodigal son meta- metaphor of, or parable of, yeah, the, the dad was always ready for the kid to come back, but the kid had to come back. And I, I just think. Meaning there is, you're saying that there is no timetable. There is, there, there is no. There point. might not, I think to satisfy a pure version of justice, it's possible that, yeah, it's, it's just constant. There's there's no new energy created or destroyed. Like when you die, your energy, the energy that was in your body goes on, however it looks after this physical manifestation. Manifest manifestation. There we go. Third times charm. However that looks once this is done. Yeah, it's it's fun to explore that, but unfortunately, we don't. We don't know what happens. We don't. We don't know, and so. Yeah. We 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 rely a lot on outside. We rely rely a lot about post life destinies on sources that are outside the Bible. The Bible says a lot less about that stuff than that, than, than I think we. That's my point. Yeah, and so it's worth a revisiting. I think. Yeah, what the Bible actually says, or what Jewish people actually believed out afterlife. There's a developing. Like even Satan is a fascinating study of like how Satan, the idea of Satan develops throughout the Bible. It's not like a a timeless piece of literature that has a complete version of Satan. It developed over time. And so, which leads to the next episode of when we talk about how human is the Bible, which I'm fascinated with. Different subject. But that how verse, the serpent wasn't actually Satan? Well, not not to that writer. Nope. <laughs> Which is wild. But that verse, um, 1 Timothy 4, 9 through 11, 
and obviously there's context before and after this verse. You can do your own homework, people. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For this, for to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Extra Savior. Yeah, like what does it mean to be saved, but then you're especially saved if you believe? Like, I think there's something to this, like... The Mormons had it, didn't they? they <laughs> all, Mor- truth, all truth is God's truth. <laughs> the Mormons, though, get to that third level. That might be an example of where the translation is failing us or are unable to really catch up with the meaning. Yeah. But- yeah, and I don't, I don't, you don't want to make too much of, of one verse, but it. But he's a savior of all, but not all believe. Yeah. yeah. So there's a, there's a, there's a unique experience there for those who choose to believe that he's the savior of all, whether he, you know, they believe, even though he is the savior of all, if I choose to believe that some okay. don't choose to believe that doesn't change the fact that he is that yeah. it could be getting at, at yeah. that idea. But I think the translation is tough to, it, it doesn't necessarily fully convey what's going on there. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know what you mean. I just know, I just hope, I feel like I'm a decent dad, and I hope God is a better dad than me. How about that? (laughs) (laughs) We hope so, too. Yeah. Yeah. Good grief. Hey, Andy, when we were having uh, snacks tonight, uh, you said you had a question you wanted to ask me, but you wanted to wait. To ask it, do you remember what it was? Oh no, man, I don't remember. Is that a whole new spin that's for another day or maybe yeah. what darn you should have asked it then? Maybe I did maybe I did actually ask oh. it. Maybe we were maybe we've been experiencing it. That's oh. possible. Yeah, what is it has something to do with hearing hearing from God's hearing God's voice or something like that. The Lord told me. Was that oh. it? Oh. Was that it? No, but I just uh There's another one. I often <laughs> just laugh at that because that's a conversation. Oh, God. Yeah, God that's a conversation. Me stopper yep um and we've talked about this before oftentimes like how do you discern what is god's voice in your life what are the what are the things that you do is it are you relying wholly on internal right i was just fishing i emotions well we can we can i can turn it into a question zach you were going to jump in on something I was probably going to make a fart noise with my (laughs) sitting on my couch so please just make it be a noise uh it's 11, white- 11, Jeff. Make a wish. You all right? Uh, uh, oh, it came true. I'm going to bed. Oh, all right. There he goes. All right. Are you consuming sleep then? He's about to. Yeah, that's a good, maybe that is a good segue. <laughs> how, how long have we been going? Um, An hour 26. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. We don't need to start a big new thing. Jeff is consuming his bed right now. Oh, maybe... I'm consuming one of Jeff's farts as he just walked by. You just fart? That's just natural smell. I think that's, that's his breath. That's just Jeff Funk. Just Musk, yeah. Just man. Jeffrey Musk. Just tequila burp. <laughs> uh, hold on. My brain will get there in a second, though, Art. There was a question. Oh, it wasn't a question. It was more of a comment. We were chatting afterwards uh, when you spoke last Sunday. And a couple of the things that you shared from the uh, from the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the peacekeepers. 
and peacemakers or sorry peacemakers blessed are the peacemakers and effectively uh and i can't remember what the other verse was but that our job is to it is to be forgivers reconcilers reconcilers and yeah not just forgivers but reconcilers and i think i said some comment afterwards when we were at project social i said well that's just the hardest part of being a christian like that's the toughest that's the toughest part it's it's easily said and really hard to do hmm. at least to do consistently because i'm a flawed human and selfish <laughs> and so you hurt me. You hurt my kid. I don't want to be a peacemaker. I want to punch you in the face. And the and the hard part is it is related in my mind to forgiveness because it questions what I think God means when he says that he is a just God and that he will do justice. And if you're Zach and you don't believe in eternal damnation either, then I then I wonder what is god's justice what is that what i don't even know what it means anymore Hmm. it's a good question i don't have an answer i don't have an answer either i'm just i'm too busy working on trying to be a reconciler in the big things and the small things and even thinking about is is my language in response to somebody that disagrees with me? Does it promote peace? Does it make room yeah. for peace, or is it just a, another argument to get them to have an argument, to have me to have an argument? And those are sort of benign examples. But even in that minutia, I'm I'm kind of wandering there and uh, trying to get better at that kind of stuff. I don't know. I don't know how God's going to bring about justice. I don't. I don't know. I just know He will. And to try to figure all that out is actually gives me a headache. And it might actually be a dis- I think it's a distraction for most Christians because they're so worried about defending God's honor and the idea yeah. of a, a God of what a God of justice looks like, as opposed to is it a, is it a matter of God's honor or is it a matter of like we have this instilled within us? Or is that not part of us being made in the image of God that we see injustice and have like a gut reaction to it? This is an unresolved issue. Justice must be instilled for this to be resolved. How can we leave this thing hanging? Well, I don't, I don't, I mean, we need to be involved where there's injustice, obviously. I mean, that's kind of a no brainer. That's different than, How's God going to, what, is he going to push the button on everybody that rejected him? And I can't wait for it to happen. And that, that kind of attitude, I don't think there's any place for that. Is the flood, was the flood God's justice? Or was it just too much rain? (laughs) You know, uh, the question you guys were asking a few episodes ago was, was that God's wrath? Right. Um, I know I changed it a little bit. Which is a little different than justice. I I think so. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah, and you could also, a, a little outside the box interpretation of the flood event is that um, God was, the world was so unjust and so violent that God tried to fix it with violence. And maybe it taught God something. 
that you can't mm-hmm. fix violence with violence is what's one of the first things that happens after the flood is more violence. Hmm. If we take that literally. I I don't know if I agree with God learning something. No, I know. It's it's kind of intentionally provocative, but I think then I now I don't I don't read I don't read that I don't read that I'm I don't read it literally like I think there's a lot of deep meaning in a lot of those stories. Well, where where are the points of where where do we point to God invoking justice in the Bible? What are the stories that we would lean on? All over. I mean, you, everywhere. You can make an argument for the flood. But wait a minute. Is but we I thought we said that was wrath. Yeah, there's a difference between justice and wrath. So when I think of God's justice, it's the idea of Him making things right. I don't think He enjoys um, getting even with with humanity. He, he's love. So everything he does is loving. He's not capable of anything that's not motivated by love and acting in the best interest of humanity. As I understand right. that I might be wrong, but that's how I understand things. So that's sort of my foundational starting point. Um, so is our, our love and justice just interchangeable words? Well, yeah, they're certainly not competing words. I, mean, I don't think to, to how are they different work for, I don't think, they're not competing words. They're, uh, to work for justice doesn't mean you're not loving. And I don't even think, I don't like the word wrath. I, uh, I, I'm, not sure it, I'm not sure it translates correctly, but um, some aggressive response uh, that's motivated by love but acts in the best interest of all humanity over the long haul kind of is what I see, is what I see God doing when he does difficult things. Mm. Uh, that's yeah, how I make that's sense. A pretty of. good. An- that's a pretty good answer. Um. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I don't neither. So I don't even know where we're going with this. Well, but yeah, I just. Sure I, don't, I feel like you just opened another can. That I know. To another. Yeah. Another. Uh, which is all. I mean, I love all these conversations constantly. Um. But I think we do. I think we might struggle. We both of you mentioned that it's all over the, the place in the Bible, but but I don't know if I think there are different words that are used to describe God's love and to describe God as a just God. So I think that's probably intentional, and that it's and that it's supposed to show that God's character is multifaceted. And one of those facets is justice. Now, yes, we can throw everything under the umbrella of loving, but but let's get more specific. We need to get more specific. You have to be direct with what you're talking about. So if we are going to get more specific, yes, I'm loving, which means I can be warm and forgiving on one side and, and is justice on the other side of that, which is... I don't know. Maybe justice, there isn't forgiveness and justice. I don't know. Well, I, I, I do like the parent metaphor. Um, Did I hug you or spank you? Well, a, we all have an idea of what a, a good parent looks like. And sometimes maybe even we get there ourselves. And working for the bet, like, 
wanting the best for your kids, whether it's shepherding them and kind of directing them through whatever they're going through or letting them figure it out because that's the best way for them in that moment. Um, Ultimately wanting the best for them and doing whatever you can in your power to, to help them see that through in the best way for them. That's a good parent. And I just hope God's a better parent than us because I think a lot of Christians believe in a God that is a worse parent than than them. And I don't I don't think that's the case. Does that make sense? Like maybe I, I lost the last part, but it, I don't know which one. So many parents that would do whatever they can for their kids, but they don't believe the same about God. So I think there's a disconnect but, there. Well, you don't believe that though. No, I'm just saying I'm I'm right. cha- it's a little challenge to the parent metaphor Abba Father is a good one because we all everyone that's listening has an idea of a good parent. Like if even if you didn't have a good parent, you know they weren't a good parent. You have an idea of what a good parent might look like. And so the idea of God being better than that is is a beautiful thing. That makes thing. sense. I mean, I like the logic of that. Look we're good people. We do the best we can. I sure hope. I sure hope that God is better than us, even on our best day. Yeah, as parents, I like. But I like, you're saying he's saying the opposite of that. No, I'm no, saying a lot saying, of Christians think that believe, God is not. Yeah, what they us. believe about what God, they believe, and I, I think God, like if we're made in the image of God, if I believe that about humanity, I don't believe that about some groups of people or the people that get it right or the people. It's the especially those who believe thing. Everybody is being an image bearer of God. I see. All animals are created equal. Some are more equal than others. <laughs> Maybe. But I like animal farm. Everyone's in the image of God. Everyone's made in the image of God. If that's true, then that's kind of where I'm going. Everyone, God being the parent of everyone that loves everyone uh, equally. Yeah. And just is working towards some people are, will be there with God and never, never depart. And some people, God is going to work his ass off to, to bring him back into the fold or to however that looks. I just think God's a better parent than me. I don't think that part's most, I don't think most people who would accurately call themselves Christians would disagree with that. But, the point is maybe where you felt where, where Christians, people who call themselves Christians would start to disagree is again, going back to, is there a point in time where that opportunity ends, where God ceases to pursue you and you cease to have the opportunity to be reconciled to God? And is it, would you say there is no, there is no end, no matter what you will always have that opportunity in this life or afterwards. I don't know. I just are you are you too tired now? It's too late to know. It is too late to know. <laughs> all right, but I know I th- I think I think the reconciliation of all things is is a good possibility if God is personal and and cares about individual people. I think working towards that. I think we have the task to make bring that about, and that is through agape love here and now, which involves a lot of forgiveness and a lot of losing here and now because that's what Jesus did. 
the taking up your cross and whatnot. And then for after this life, like, yeah, I, I just, I have good reasons to hope for it. I, I could, I, I can't declare it and say, this is the way it is. No, I know. And, but I think, and I think a lot of Christians that are really sure about where certain people are going when they die, they, they have less, they should have less confidence in that than, than they do. The most logical argument that I typically hear is then our life on earth has to mean something. And if our life on earth means nothing, then do whatever the fuck you want to do. Right. Cause it doesn't matter because the door is always open. And I think that's a hard pill to swallow. Hmm. And I think that's what some people hear when they hear talk of, uh, some version of Christian universalism or, un- or universal reconciliation through Christ. But that is they, effectively they hear, they, saying they, the door is always open. What's that? That is effectively saying the no, door is open, no, which comes is. back to, is there no, will God have no justice? And it doesn't matter you what live? you do now. It doesn't matter what you do now. Yeah. But I, I think, I think the consequences of our actions are apparent in the here and now. Like what is good and true and loving and what brings pain and, and sorrow. I, I, I just think, I think it's a, it's a cop out. It's a cop out to say it doesn't matter because it's obvious things matter. Like there's real brokenness that needs to be healed now. Even if there's no correlation, you still have, I mean, you're arguing for, you know, your version of universalism is based in your understanding of the nature of God, which you understand because you read scripture and you learn about him. And so you have this logical progression to just love. Love would do that. Love wouldn't do this other thing. Love would do this. Right. The same, in the same way, we're also taught, here's how you live. Jesus said, live like this. Right. And he doesn't say, do whatever the heck you want to do. For sure. He says, forgive. Stand for justice, stand against oppression, be merciful, be generous. He, he gives us the Sermon on the Mount. Here's, here's what I really value. Here's what right. God values. Here's the full, rich life, the uh, abundant life. This is what it looks like. It looks like a lot of death. It looks like letting love win. It looks like dying to yourself. Yeah. It looks like conquering pride. And by the way, that abundant so, life was like, for, for that time, it was here and now. And for us, it's it's... It's finding a way to tap into that here and now. Not and I, that I, I'm just arguing against the idea that, well, if we all go to heaven, quote unquote, yeah. just do whatever you want to do. Yeah, well, the same place that teaches us about eternal life, heaven, whatever you want to call it, yeah. it also teaches us about giving up things and not living a certain yeah. way and having boundaries and sacrifices in life. So so that doesn't fly. Yeah, and I, I agree with that. Like, I, yeah, I hope I wasn't coming across. No, I, you I think weren't. It, I you think weren't. Things I mean, don't. you brought that up. No, but it does. So it, it implies. Sin that, carries consequences. <laughs> and benefits. <laughs> so it implies that there are no benefits, that everyone who lives in, in sin is just miserable yeah. on their big ass yachts with all their model girlfriends. <laughs> like I'm, I'm using ridiculous examples, but like, um, there are benefits to sin in this life, and people do experience joy. I, sure, it's not the same thing, but just saying, 
Yeah. But it that those things do happen. It is it is reality. Right. But I yeah, I can't speak for people. I just I know tons of people that have everything put together on the outside and they're in hell on the inside. So I Well, I know Christians like that too. Yeah. For <laughs> that, sure. That exists outside of whether right. or not you've accepted Christ or not. Yeah, for sure. Scott, you're welcome. I did your work tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really tired. I am too. So for Jeff, who's gone to bed, <laughs> Art, who's on his way. I still have to go to another location to go to bed. Yeah. Well. I hope Brenda didn't take the car. Oh, good luck. I hope there's no sinners out there when you leave because... I think we have a self-driving Segway out there for you. Is that true? <laughs> I've actually crashed one of those things. Oh, man. <laughs> for Zach, this is Andy. Bros, Bibles, and Beer. You can catch us on all of the socials, or you can email us, brosbiblesbeer at gmail.com. If you want to, we would love it if you would leave us a voicemail at... Anchor.fm slash pod. Or if you happen to have my phone number, shoot me a text and I'll read it on the podcast, apparently. <laughs> we, or mine. Or Jeff's, actually. Any of ours. And in fact, shoot it to Art, too. I'm sure he'll be able to pass it along. Maybe we should give them Colin's phone number. Yeah, right? or Colin's. We'll just include everybody. Just text somebody and it'll probably head our way. Yeah. Um, but if you don't do anything else, uh, share this podcast with one other person that you think would like to hear it. Grace. Peace. Oh, close. Cheers. (laughs) 